check, check. One, two, one, two. All right. What's going on, people? What's up, y'all? Welcome to the second episode of the Music Maniacs podcast with Sight After Dark. Yep. We're Sight After Dark out of Brooklyn, New York, your new favorite band. I'm Dan Berg. I'm Sifa Graffiti. So today, we're talking about probably the most, if not one of the most legendary artists to ever come out of Brooklyn. Yeah. I would say probably the most. Yeah, I definitely would. I can't think of another one that's more legendary than that. And um, if you can't tell who we're talking about, he's on my shirt. (laughs) 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 We're talking about Biggie. Woohoo! The best to ever do it yeah don't at me bro don't at me yeah don't at either of us don't at me but okay before we even really get into it, i want to tell you something that happened to me on the train what okay yo listen to this new york is back okay <laughs> uh-oh <laughs> this is not a positive one no 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 no. <laughs> so listen to this so i'm on the train this is like eight in the morning i'm going to work I get on the five train at Uded Square. It's the express to Grand Central. So it's like one big stop. There's uh-huh. a lot of, you know. Um, so I get in the car, the train car, and I see two people like riding in between the cars. And, you know, like that's already bad. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like usually the other times I've seen that it's either like somebody going out there to like do some drugs or it's like a homeless person going to the bathroom mm-hmm. or something. So I'm like, all right, I got to keep my eyes on this. So I'm in the train. And I'm like kind of just watching like see what's going on with that. And it's a guy and a girl. Okay. And then all of a sudden this dude, he just starts hitting this girl. Whoa. Like I'm in the train and I can hear the, the noise. Whoa. It was like. And I heard it in the train through the door and I'm like, what the fuck? And everyone in the train is like looking at him. And I could see through the window, everyone on the other train, the other cars, all looking at him. Yeah. And I thought he was going to fucking kill this girl. Because, like, they're in between the cars. And he's hitting her. And she's, like, falling. And I'm like, yo, she falls off. You're, she's dead. Yeah. So we're all just looking at, like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? But nobody wanted to go out there and put themselves in the situation no, no, where no, no, you no. can be thrown off onto the fucking tracks. I would have had to piss everybody off. I would have pulled the emergency brake on that one. So this is what ended up happening. Uh-huh. Is everybody on both sides of the train is like, okay, which way are they going to come back into the train? So they came back into my tra- my side of the train. And all these other motherfuckers, as soon as he walks in, they all look away. And I was just kind of, I couldn't help myself. I just was looking at him like, and he saw me and he was just like, this is, I swear to God, this is what he said. He was like, it's New York, we crazy, bro. And I was just like, what? <laughs> and he was like, you don't live here, do you? And I was like, you think you could just hit people wherever and no one's going to fucking notice you, dude? And to paint the picture, so it was two people, right? It was a guy and a girl. Uh, well-dressed black dude, polo, slacks, dress dress shoes, and, like, this crackhead-looking white bitch. And I'm just like, yo, like, you can't just hit people and expect not to get, like, fucking looks in public. Like, what are you talking about, bro? He's like, I don't give a fuck. I was like, I didn't say you should give a fuck, but you can't act like no one's gonna fucking notice you're hitting people on the fucking train. And so (laughs) the girl was there the whole time not saying anything as I'm going back and forth with this guy. And then she chimes in with this. Hey, it's not my fault my husband likes to get his dick stuck on a train. Oh, my God. 
and I was just like, oh my god, and I just left. <laughs> I was like, I, I can't do anything. Like, oh. like if you, if that's how you are about it, then I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do? And I'm just like, yo, I feel like this dude was literally like providing her with fucking crack. Yeah, for you know, yeah, things from her. Yeah, and the thing that's crazy is like. The city is nowhere as dangerous as it used to be. Right. And this is where Biggie comes in, right? Because mm-hmm. we're talking about the context of, like, Biggie at this point. This is, like, a weird way to get to it. But now we're talking about crack. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, all right. So, we got to talk about, like, the crack epidemic and shit to, like, set the stage. Uh, for Big? Yeah. Because, like, you're t- all of his stories and shit, what he's talking about, like, yeah. where he's, like, as he's coming up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, like, I guess drugs in the city in general. Because even, like, Diddy, I mean, his dad was killed by Frank Lucas. Yeah, his dad was a big-time um, drug dealer. But Diddy, Diddy pretty much grew up broke-ish. Broke, kind of. Like, he had stuff, but he didn't have anything. That's, see, that's something that uh, it's interesting that we're doing this. Because, you know, I mean, you were growing up in Brooklyn around this time. I was fucking either not around or in Florida. So I'm really curious to hear a lot of your perspective on these things because you were actually, like, around. Yeah. Like, for me, it was always, like, I always loved Biggie, but, like, from afar. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm curious, like, like, were you, like, was it... Could you just, like, see Biggie around Brooklyn? Was he just, like, around and shit? That was back in the days, and I feel like that kind of stopped around 94, 95 when the, the, the push for getting money got yeah. really really big right so our favorite rappers instead of just walking around with the um you know the hottest clothes and stuff like that it became like huge now like they were investing money like they they themselves were big investments from huge labels and um so we weren't seeing them in the neighborhoods anymore but uh-huh. yes you could see biggie in the neighborhood all the rappers that came before him that he looked up to, like the Big Daddy Canes, like all the mm-hmm. people that he knew, Busta Rhymes, Special Ed, all those people, you could see them in the neighborhood. And nobody was going to bother them or anything like that yeah. because, one, it's New York. We don't um, we don't fan out like L.A. does. You know what I'm saying? Because we got somewhere to go. Yeah. Like, you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Everybody Everyone's does. Even, busy. even the kids, they got somewhere to go. So they're going to stop. They're going to see you. They're going to say, oh, my God, but then they got to go on their way. So, yes, of course, um, you could see him. I mean... And all the rappers that he used to shout out on those albums, like I said, like in Warning, you know, he talks about certain rappers and these are all Brooklyn rappers. He'll say something like putting hickeys on your chest like Little Sean. That was an actual rapper here in Brooklyn and stuff like that. Your style is played out like Kwame and those fucking polka dots. That was an actual rapper here. Kwame is a producer now, so he's not really played out. But when he was out, all he wore was like polka dots and stuff like that. And he actually became one of Biggie's producers. I believe he was in the studio with Big when Big was freestyling and said that. So that's that's the type of... uh, freestyler that Bill Big used to be so absolutely you could see them in the hood and though I miss those days actually I do yeah yeah so another thing okay so we're talking about like crack and shit so all of the like all of his earlier songs talk about growing up fucking like selling crack and shit and like for context it's like you know there was the war on drugs or whatever in the 80s but like I feel like the whole crack thing was specifically against black people, right? Yeah, the crack epidemic, yeah. Yeah, it, it because definitely was. obviously you need cocaine to make crack. Yes. And cocaine's fucking expensive. And crack is cheap. 
and crack is cheap. And the way that it kind of ended up was like all the rich white people would be doing cocaine and then all like the, the poor people on the street would be doing fucking crack. Yeah. And you would think as a government, if you wanted to get people to stop doing crack, then you would go to the source, which is the cocaine. Yeah. And you would make those penalties heavy. Yeah. But that's not what they fucking did, is no, it? No, 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 no. <laughs> they were like, okay, we're going to crack down on the crack. Yeah. So it's like, that's just a fucking very thinly veiled way of saying we're trying to arrest all these motherfuckers on the street that we can yeah because the dope boys were making tons of money right they were making millions of dollars per week yeah. you know what i mean so they went from the whole scarface boom down in miami to the crack epidemic up here you know what i'm saying um and it was crazy and uh for the record like i mean it's so funny the the little juxtaposition between hip-hop and actual real life like in real life in my family in my house in the neighborhood biggie's a fucking loser Okay, <laughs> he's a fuck. Stay away from that motherfucker. Like, because he was selling drugs. Yeah, because yeah. you know what I'm saying. Because yeah. you're hang- first of all, you're hanging out on the corner like that. Totally frowned upon about on in most middle class families in Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying. You own the home like and stuff yeah. like that. Those kids that hung out in the corner. We used to like. I wasn't allowed to be around those kids. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like in a way, it's like the crack epidemic happened around me sonically like in music and in the movies like because to us like growing up was like how the fuck could you smoke crack like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. the way it makes you look it's just like who wants to turn into that like right. at, like so it's just like how the f could you do this to yourself like right. you know what i'm saying who would want to take one hit like you know what i mean so that was crazy and then of course drug dealers like no 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 like if my mom smelled marijuana she'd be like they're all doped up like you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. it's like so that's that's the funny thing with um with big and then big too which is interesting his mom will say like he was raised like that that's what i was gonna get to. yeah i was gonna get to that yeah so it's just like that's another thing too and it's true like she's uh caribbean you know she's a jamaican lady and um so you know I'm not trying to insult any black Americans and stuff like that, but Caribbean have hardcore values. Like, you know what I'm saying? They come and they work their ass off to, to get a home. to not live in apartments and stuff like that. So that's what Caribbean do. We just come here, we hit the floor running and we just work, 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 work. Well, that's that's so like I the think, immigrant mentality, right? Yes. Like, okay. We fucking, this is our shot. We're here. We got to fucking do it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the way you can fall through the cracks and fall in the wayside is if your home is broken. And I feel like that's the issue. If there's no dad in the house to like watch you or to like, you know, make you accountable for, for certain things um then somebody like big will fall through the wayside and women i'm by nature are more agreeable so you can like be a son getting one over on your mom's easier than like you know your pops is part of you and he's a he's the man that you're probably going to turn into so he'll probably be like right don't pull that shit with me like you right. know what i mean so that's how you know her being at work all the time and stuff like that that's how he just became a drug dealer like you know what i'm saying right right and that's why i wanted to say that like get into the whole context of like this whole thing and then how this relates into the music. Yeah. And and I, one of the other things I wanted to say, you kind of beat me to it, is because I always heard it's like, yeah, like he didn't really have it as bad growing up as he said and like blah, 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 blah. So I wanted to hear like what you knew of that or thought of that from, mm-hmm. you know, actually being around. Mm-hmm. And then it's funny how I guess we should probably get into the music at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's funny because, you know, I always, I always heard people say that and I was always a huge Biggie fan in Florida. Like, I was known as being like 
in my group of friends, like I was the kid that just fucking loved Biggie. Okay. Like there's shit. You remember on like uh, back in the day, like MySpace on in Facebook. Yeah. You would do like tell me a fact about me or whatever. Like like my status and I'll give you a fact. Like I would. There was some of those you can still look at my Facebook now. I'm fucking like a fact or whatever. They'd be like fun fact about you. You love Biggie more than anyone I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I have that in writing still. I think it's funny. It actually came up like a memory on my timeline uh-huh. like this week. That's and I was I like, oh, that's crazy that yeah, we're yeah. doing Biggie episode this week and that happens. Yay. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So people say like, oh, okay, yeah, like Biggie didn't really have it as bad as he tried to make it seem and like blah, 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 blah. And like, oh, he's fake because he's always talking about this and that. But like the thing is, it's like when you're talking about, we'll talk about the first album, Ready to Die. That, that album is like a fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's literally like, I didn't watch CSI and Law and & Order and shit. <laughs> I would listen to that, and I would see it in my head. Right. And it's like, there is, you know, probably like a little bit of truth that it's grounded in, but he's, it's, a, it's a character. Right. It's a, he's portraying something. Yes. You know, it's, it's entertainment. Yeah. If he was really doing all this shit that he was saying, he wouldn't be in a studio laying down tracks. He'd be in fucking jail. No, he wouldn't. So I think that's a ridiculous argument that people try to say he was, he wasn't real and shit. Like you, you've heard people say that. Definitely. Definitely. I've heard Tupac say that when he was alive and uh, that video (laughs) for ain't nothing but a gangster party, he totally makes fun of Biggie and he said that that really did happen. You know, like he walks up to Big and he threatens him like he's going to shoot him and Big is like, don't shoot me. I'm just a rapper, Pac. I'm just a rapper. <laughs> so. But this is the thing. It's like, you, it's similar to what we were talking about last week with Zeppelin, how they were just so good yeah. that you just can't deny it. Yeah. He was just so good. You just could not deny it. You couldn't deny it. And he had Tupac shook. Like, he would make, like, those were friends, you know what I mean, here in New York. First of all, we considered Tupac a New York rapper for a long time until he ended up going to jail and he came back very angry and I, f- I feel like he's he was a little um diagnosed like probably bipolar and so probably and he had got, issues he got bailed out by suge right yes yeah because yeah, yeah. he was in jail upstate new york too like because the issue happened here in new york at this club called nell's that vin diesel used to um bounce at <laughs> oh yes shout out to vin it's exactly all about family. and uh i think it's the same i think uh, biggie has a video in nell's it might be um to all the ladies in the place it might be that one if it's a black and white checkered floor yeah if it's i think a, it is yeah it's it's yeah. That's Nels. That's Nels. So that's where um, Tupac's supposed rape happened. So Tupac and Biggie were friends because, I mean, even Tupac did the movie Juice here in New York. He was a New York character. We thought we felt he was a New York rapper. That's how because I think he was born in Harlem or something like that. But anyway, Biggie had Tupac shook because he was like, ain't that my style that Biggie got right now? Ain't that my clothes that Biggie be wearing right now? Like he was becoming undone. Okay, so you have to be really good to make like, I mean, because Tupac's another legendary rapper, right? To have somebody like that, like shooketh. Right, right. So because if he if Biggie was just some bum, it's like he's not going to pay him any mind. Right. But you can't ignore. Right. What he was able to do. Yes. Like he just. I don't even know. I, I just can't even describe it. Like, and it's funny because if you don't listen to, to rap music, it's people a lot of times like try to dismiss it. Like, oh, it's just violent and blah, blah, blah. And you don't, people don't understand the fucking art and the poetry that goes into this. Yeah. And he's just the top level. Yeah. Like to this day, it's just like, yeah. Like sometimes I'll be listening to Biggie songs. I've been listening to Biggie a lot the past like week or two to get ready for this. And he'll just drop some shit that it's like, it sounds so natural to him, 
And then you think about it later and you're like, did he just rhyme nine times? Yeah. You'd be like, because he'll just come out of nowhere like, now I'm 13, smoking blunts, making cream. Yeah. On the drug scene, fuck a football team, risking ruptured spleens by the age of 15, hearing the coach scream, ain't my lifelong dream. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? He definitely had a knack for it. I don't know if it was a cultural thing because, you know, people kind of say that hip hop was born in the Caribbean by default, mm-hmm. right? Because you got Cool Herc who mm-hmm. came up from Jamaica and Biggie is Jamaican himself as well, second generation, but he is too, so it's probably just a natural thing for storytelling, for, you know, Jamaican music is great. Like, not even just like the hip hop, uh, a little a uh, little sidebar of it but just like reggae and all that stuff like that and yeah. everything so jamaican music is great good story- storytelling music so i could see why biggie would pick up that knack for it yeah and he had just have kind of ways of saying things like um saying like and you still recouping and you think the rhyme is over and he's like stupid, stupid. like, so <laughs> like uh. yeah it's just yeah so funny like i i really thought um big was a great artist and one of the best then even then and i can remember um when nobody knew who he was and like my older cousins and stuff would listen to underground radio so that would be like nyu would have a radio station and the kids that wanted to get into the music business or whatever at nyu they used to let them run the radio station but college radio would be on very late so like you can only play the music they wanted to play they could only play it very late, right? right so right. they would play it anytime between midnight and like four in the morning. So sometimes we would just like on weekends, we would just put on um, NYU, I think it's 89 something, I forgot exactly what it was, NYU radio, you just put it on and it's like your kids, so it's bedtime, so you go to sleep, yeah. right? So you go to sleep, but then you'd hear stuff like that would wake you up and it would be like partying bull or something like that. And you'd be like, who is this? Who is this guy? Yeah, like yeah. we didn't even know, like, you know, so it's like watching Biggs rise was even better than um experiencing the the end product like you know what i'm saying it was right. like just watching it happen um there's a local show that's called a uh, video music box and um this guy ralph mcdaniel's been running that show since like the 80s and that's actually where the word shout out was born like oh. from him yeah it was born right here in brooklyn like now it's worldwide which is crazy and so like little shows like that little clubs and stuff like that and, and that back then biggie was just biggie smalls so it's just like oh we got biggie smalls here so people finally got to see him like you know and you he kind of looked like what you expected him to look because he sounds like heavy right so it sounds like a big black guy right so you expect to see him and then he's like super charismatic and he's so huge and stuff like that and then he brings out junior mafia Right. So it's just like the whole big experience was great because it wasn't just him. It was the characters around him. It was how Diddy was acting at the time, too. Like, you know, just like a character. Well, this is a perfect time to, to get into to Diddy because we can't really tell the story of Biggie without Diddy. Yeah. So do you know how they met? Um, somebody, Diddy's from Harlem, right? Diddy is from Harlem. Diddy started out, uh, he was like dressing artists. So he was always the music guy. Even before Biggie, we knew who Diddy was. He started out as a backup dancer. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was like Uptown MCA Records. That was like huge. Everybody that people liked was on that label. Mary J was on that label. Jodeci was on that label. Guy was on that label. So it's a lot of like New York local artists. So Diddy um, joined Uptown MCA, said he would work for free. 
And um, Andre Harrell led him, so he was in charge of all the young new acts. Yeah. So he dressed everybody. Well, everybody's style is pretty much Diddy and his girlfriend, Misa. So we kind of watched Diddy come up, too, that back then he was just Puff Daddy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just a... So he met Biggie through the grapevine. It's like somebody saying, okay, well, there's this Brooklyn rapper. He's mad hard. You gotta like, you got to yeah, check yeah. him out. And Biggie came to Harlem to... I mean, Diddy came to Harlem to see him and at that point Diddy was like I was looking to sign like some type of like light skin curly haired guy cause like on Uptown MCA all the dudes whether light skin dark skin or whatever had a pretty boy look to them Right. nobody looked like Big right exactly so Diddy was just like but the rhymes were so good that he had, he knew that was millions of dollars right there. See, that's the thing. That's what we were saying before. It's just like he was so good that you couldn't deny it. Like he didn't have a look. Like if you're like, oh, I want to sign someone to be a star, you're not going to be like, I'm going to go find the fucking biggest, blackest dude on the fucking corner selling drugs. Right. But yeah. he was just so good. It's like you cannot deny yes. how talented he was. Yeah. And I mean, clearly the world agreed. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and what's best is like his nonchalant attitude. Like, yeah. you know, you can imagine, uh, Diddy's like all hype and excited and he's always been like that like Diddy's not faking like from whence we knew him that was his personality like when he was like a backup dancer and shit so he's like we gonna make it we gonna be stars you're gonna be huge and it's that and Biggie's like yeah whatever man it's all right I believe it when I see it man it's okay right this is why their their relationship is so important for the story because it's a very symbiotic relationship. Yeah. It's not parasitic. It's not either one of them using the other for something. Yeah. They both needed each other to get where they wanted to go. Yeah. Because it was Uptown, right? Uptown Records was where he was working. Yeah. So he would try to to bring Big to get signed by them, right? Yes. And then Andre right. was like, Diddy's trying to do too much. Yes. And he fucking let him go. He gave him the boot, <laughs> uh-huh. right? So then now Big's like, yeah. So all that shit you were saying before, <laughs> yeah, I don't. It doesn't look like it's working out like that. Uh-huh. You know, like what you're saying, like I'll believe it when I see it. It's like, yeah, you promised me all these things. I'm gonna get you signed, blah 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 blah, and then you just got fired. Yep. So what does that say for me? Right. Like I gotta start selling drugs again, bro. <laughs> like I got a daughter, right? I gotta make money somehow still. Right. right. So, so then Diddy, being the business guy, this is the thing, like. Biggie is obviously the music guy. He just had so much talent that, again, you just couldn't deny it. Yeah. And Diddy was more the business guy. Yeah. So Biggie was not as concerned with, like, starting a label and, like, doing all this shit. Like, he was worried about his music and, like, his things that he's doing. So that Diddy's like, all right, I got fired, but I got the fucking drive and the ambition. We're going to start our own label. Mm -hmm. And you know what? We're a bunch of bad fucking boys. You know what we're going to call it? (laughs) (laughs) What? Bad Boy Records. Come out and play. So, yeah. So, I mean, Diddy started it up with Biggie basically being the flagship artist. So, they really brought each other up, which I think is such a cool part of the story because you see, you know, you watch all these, like, behind the musics and shit. There's always, like, jealousy and, like, somebody trying to bring the other down or, like, the record label just trying to use them for this and that. Mm -hmm. But... Them two, like they they brought it up together. Oh, definitely. And then even back then, like if we if you could say that Diddy was in love with Biggie, like I would say it. Like he loved that guy. Like he like that was his bread and butter. And I think the rise of Big was huge too because the West was taken a lot. Like you know what I'm saying? Dre and um the whole NWA, they like they swooped in and they were taken a lot. Like we loved Snoop Dogg over here back um the, in those days and stuff like that. There was no riff except for Tupac starting that bullshit like you know <laughs> no it, it's his fault i blame him 
But like New York was just so happy to finally get a New York rapper that we weren't like caping for that was actually a world-class rapper because you know what I mean we had Mob Deep Mob Deep pretty much like slam dunked a little bit for us because New York was kind of like our rhymes were becoming okay and like Dre and them were Dre and them were making millions okay and they were going like they were crossing borders they were doing all types of things and they had um some people over here trying to sound like them so like New York was like okay wait like we're not them what about Wu-Tang? Wu-Tang, but you see, that was huge too. Wu-Tang in like early 91, huh, that was a whole crew. And I feel like- Right, it's like you couldn't just be like, that's the guy. Yeah, yeah. Because so many people. Wu-Tang itself was hard, but I could not pick a Wu-Tang artist and say that they're one of the best in the world. Nah, I'm not gonna. I can't do that. Like, I really love Raekwon's flow and stuff like that. Like, he's dope. Meth is really dope. Like, and in terms of record sales, yeah, they'll be like the best in the world. And who was the one feature on Big's first album? Method Man. Method Man. I just had to say that. Shout out to Method Man. Exactly. Because he was like, I mean, he was huge at that point, too. But, like, we were so happy for, like, one captain where it's just, like, you couldn't... This is e- the guy. Yeah, you couldn't even dispute... Like, no one could dispute it because I feel like uh, Method Man could have gone head-to-head with uh, with an L.A. rapper. Like, I'm not going to diss some of these rappers. Like, DJ Quick was a really good rapper. We had, like, you know... Um, uh, I forgot who the other guy is. Um, <laughs> MC Ren was a good rapper. We had some good rappers that were coming out of L.A. They could kind of go head-to-head with some of our rappers. But, like... With the exception of Prodigy from Mob Deep, when Biggie came out, like, as a solo, like, by himself, right, I think right. that was the other thing, too. Like, he was his own artist, and he didn't need a group. Like, right. it wasn't in a back-and-forth back and forth to bring him up to a certain level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference with, like, Wu-Tang, who were, like, a great group, and also Mob Deep, too, who was another group that we were like, oh, New York is still holding it down. Right, when right. Big came out, it was like, you can't say nothing about New York. Yeah, like, yeah. because he, there was nobody that was going to rap better than him. Nobody. At all. Any country, any state, anywhere. Exactly. In the fucking world. Exactly. And again, that's the thing. It's just like sometimes, like there's a level of talent that at least in America, that if you're that fucking good, you can use that to make a better life for yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, he was just so good. Yeah. That nobody could say shit to him. Yeah. And his style was just so cool. We should... I'm trying to keep it like also about the music. We yeah. just kept talking about how awesome he is as a person, but yeah. like, I mean, obviously the music is what made him that. And it's just yeah. like the thing that was so cool about his style is he was able to do such complicated things and he was able to play with words in such a way without writing anything down, by the way, mm-hmm. nothing was written, nothing. I still don't understand how you can do that because it's easy to be like, Oh yeah, I got a few bars in my head or whatever. But he would have whole songs all yeah. in his head that were all amazing. Well, I see it as like practice. I see it as a thing. Like if I said, oh, uh, Dan, um, play me a freestyle, you could pick that up and just play me something really wicked. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because that's part of you since you were like a preteen. And like if somebody was to say, Sifa, dance me something great, like I will get up and I would like dance you like the most wickedest freestyle because I've got all that technique with him. But again, that's because we've been doing this shit for so long and we put the work into it. Yeah, him too, though. That's, that's That's what I'm saying, him too. Yeah. But like a lot of other people just 
didn't do that and they couldn't do that. Right. That's exactly. what I'm saying. True. Yes. Like he yes. clearly that he lived it. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. 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 That, that, that's really the dope part about him. Um, yeah. Him just being like his own artist, like his own single self. And then he wasn't, he was a big black guy, but he wasn't scary. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like people wanted to hug big and people wanted to, like his music was funny. Something, you know what I mean? A lot of it was funny. Like my uncle, the talk about like not liking like rappers and stuff like that. My uncle, every time he saw like some young kid with some truck jewelry or something like that, he'd be walking by me, he'd be walking with me, he'd be like, look at these chain snatchers out here. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> that's the first thing he would say. Or if he saw a young girl with like big earrings and all this stuff like that, he'd be like, teen pregnancy right there. Like, you know what I mean? He would just say he's super conservative. Damn. So my uncle, exactly. So super conservative, my uncle, like totally Ivy Leaguer and all this stuff like that. And he came up to us and was like, so, you know, talking about Biggie. He liked Biggie. He was like laughing about how he's like, soon as he buy that wine, I just creep up from behind. Like he thought that was funny. So what did, I mean, I don't know if you would know, but what in his mind was different between Biggie and all these other people? I would say it's the charisma. Cause yeah, like I was going to say, Biggie doesn't come off as angry. Right. That's the other thing. Like life is. He comes life off as is, smooth. Yes. Life is life. And it's kind of funny. Life is kind of funny to him. Like, you know what I mean? I like that. He gave off like that whole, it's funny because he's, he's, ang he's, he's harmless in a way. It's like, he's harmless. Kind of like, um, Jackie Gleason, right. In, um, the honeymooners. <laughs> right. I remember when the first time I said something to you about the honeymooners, you're like, Oh, is that that show with that guy who always threatens to beat his wife? And like, I remember I was taken aback because it's like Ralph Cramden would not hurt a fly. Like he right, right, would right. not like, even like when he used to threaten Alice, she'd be like, Straight to the moon. Yeah, he, she'd be like, yeah, whatever, okay. whatever. Like, you know what I mean? She never took him seriously and was never afraid of him. So Big was like that kind of character, just this big, jovial, charismatic kind of guy. But unlike Ralph Cramden, Big actually did become successful from all his uh, schemes and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so... I think that's what it was. Like, Big wasn't angry. And I think that's the difference between the Wu and Mob Deep and Big as well. Because That's interesting. Yeah, Big became more global like that because he wasn't that angry. And you see how Method Man is able to go, because Method Man's not that angry yeah. either. But, you know, he may be angry inside. We know they, they suffered a lot and stuff going yeah. through shit. But, like, the music comes out as, like, this is my peace. You know what I mean? And I'm trying right. to bring happiness to you guys. Like, you know? So yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. That that could be the difference. There. That's really interesting. I never thought about that. And the, something else I gotta say about Biggie. I mean, this isn't anything that he did necessarily, but his voice just sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just like some like some people. You know, everyone has a certain tone, like the way their voice sounds. And some voices just sound better on a track than others. Yeah. And his voice just sounded great on the track. Yes. Like, he really was the full package. Yeah. Because he could, he could write all the things better than anybody else. He had the charisma that you're talking about. He had the style. And do you think do you think Diddy had to do with that? Or do you think that was really biggie? He was just like, he got money, and now he's going to buy these suits and shit. Like, did he want to do that the whole time? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think they just wanted to look like the old gangsters. Um... <laughs> It's just funny. Like his first, uh, the way he regularly looked coming up was just, you know, baggy jeans, right. big shirt and stuff. The style with the Coogee and the glasses. Yeah, I think, um, no, I, I think that had a lot to do with Big 
and more than with Diddy. Like if you yeah. look at the locks, the way Diddy had them dressed with the shiny suits and mace and stuff like that, yeah. that wasn't really Biggie's style. Right. I think right, Biggie right, right. was into like the old gangstership of New York and he wanted to look like the wise guys out in the West and stuff with the big, huge glasses and the sweater, like, you know what I mean? And it's like a sweater where it's like, that's not a hangout sweater. Like, you know what I right, mean? Like, right, right, you right. know, you probably got some slacks on with the sweater, you know, and some dress shoes. Like, you know, so like, I, I think he wanted to just emulate those guys. So he was trying to be more like old timey, like classic gangster. Yes. Versus yes. like street gangster. I think so too. Especially like you can see it in the second album, right? His whole outfit oh, yeah, for yeah, the yeah, second yeah. album. Yeah. So I think that was the deal. Though that's, that's a good um, starting point to, I guess, go through like how his musical progression right. was. Cause like, so with with like rap music, like you don't start with an album, no, really. Like you start with features, mixtape, your, your mixtape, blah 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 blah. So by the time you get an album, you're already pretty established. Yeah. And the album is how you really cement yourself. Yeah. So Biggie's first album, Ready to Die, is just a classic. Yeah. It's just absolutely classic. Every song is just goes super hard, and it's just so good. Like so, this is something I used to do. When I was younger, I would print out lyrics for certain songs where I'm like, oh my God, how are they doing this? Uh-huh. And I would get like a bunch of different colored highlighters and I would highlight where the rhymes are. So it'd be like, okay, this rhyme rhymes with this one. So these will both be blue. But in between here, there's a red one. So then I would highlight, go through the whole song. And by the time I would be done with a Biggie song, it would be like just a tapestry of colors. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there was only a few artists that you could really do that with. Um, and I did that with him and it was just so impressive just yeah. like seeing how it's all written out and that was just his style because it, it goes again with the charisma is like he was able to do all this shit but it never seemed like a big deal for him yeah it just like happened yeah you know what I mean yeah. it yeah. never seemed like he was trying too hard right. like he's just telling a story and it just so happens that he just rhymed 13 times in a row <laughs> you know what I mean uh-huh. but it was just so natural and like I was saying before, it's like that first album, it was like, it was like watching a crime film. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you can't take it all literally. You just can't. I mean, the album ends with him killing himself. Yeah. He didn't actually kill himself. Exactly. I don't know if he fucking knew that. But it's like, you can't take it at face value. You have to understand that this is entertainment and he's portraying a certain, a certain thing. Right. Um, yeah. And when I say those wise guys out in the West, I don't mean the West of the country. I mean the West of the borough. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Bensonhurst and uh, Bay Ridge and all those spots. Yeah. And then the thing that's so crazy, he only put out one album while he was alive. Which is so crazy. Because we still, I mean, how long has it been since he died? A very, very long time. The, like that was like ninety-seven. Him. That was a very long time ago. I remember calling my cousin. He was like, "I don't want to. Be- I don't believe you." He was like, "I'm hanging up right now, and I'm going to turn on MTV and wait till they say it." I was like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, "All right, it'll take you about two seconds." <laughs> All right, like yeah, turn it on. But yeah, um, I just really feel like that. That is true. Like he just, it, it, it just came out of him. Like it was, it was nothing for him. And like he did so much then too, though, because he did features. He did songs mm-hmm. with Michael Jackson. He did songs with so many people that he just all he needed was that one album. Because back then, that's what you did. You did features. You did mixtapes. You did that. It's like by the time you did your second album, we heard so many songs from you. Like right. you know what I mean? That's that's just what it was. And then he wrote for his own artists. Like you can see the difference, like in Little Kim's rhymes from oh, when yeah. he died to when she started writing her own stuff.
off. Like, oh, I yeah. mean, that's that that was all him all over the rhyme. There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people, even Salt and Pepper, used to get their rhymes wrote for them, which is mm-hmm. something I found out in the movie. Like, you know, so easy. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> was, exactly. A lot of people were getting stuff written for them. So, yeah, you saw how he how much he influenced not just us, the listeners, but his camp too. Like, you need, they needed him. Like, you know, Junior Mafia, he wrote for C's and wrote for Kim and stuff like that and other people. So, I mean, it was just great. Yeah. It's just amazing. Um, yeah. So the first album came out. That's where, like, that was where I feel like he became really, like, known maybe outside of just the rap community, I feel like, is when, like, the first album, then he's on MTV, Big Papa's on MTV, you know what I mean? Like, all that shit. Like, he's just more places. And that's when he was, like, big. Yeah. Like, well, he was big the whole time. Yeah. But now he was, like, big Actually, in the industry. Right. Of just, like, he had a lot of clout. Yeah. Yeah. And, which, by the way, he grew up, like, a neighborhood over from where we're at. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, I just think that's cool. That's cool. And it's really interesting that... They kind of needed, you know, um, some of us were just like, what? Diddy has no talent. Like, some of us were so annoyed because he, everything, like, when you listen to all those original songs on Biggie's album, a lot of them got remixed, right? Yeah. So, and they got remixed into um, beats that were already out already. Like, songs that people knew, like Juicy, just in case you guys don't know, you know what I'm saying? And even, like, Big Papa, that's the Isley Brothers and stuff like that. So... I feel like that's what propelled Big Two on top of it was like a whole marketing package. And the cherry on top was the remix beat to all those old classic soul songs and party songs from our parents' generation a, a year away back. Like songs that we used to hear as tiny babies right. coming up and dance around to. And now he remixed them and put them on that. So, of course, when you hear the theme for Isley Brothers Between the Sheets, that doo doo doo. Of course you're going to get into that. You're going to be like, and then if you rhyme really good on it, you say funny, crazy stuff, and then you make your videos like slight movies where it's just like people even pause for a while to get their feature shot. It's just, it's hilarious. Like, so yeah, we ate it up. Like, you know. That's what I'm saying. He really made it feel like you were watching like a movie. Uh Uh-huh. Like when you were listening to him or watching him, it felt like a production in a way. Yeah. Which I don't know. I just thought I always thought it was cool. And like, I mean, I was I was born in 94. So he was really young. I was really young when he died and I was in Florida. So it's like I was so far removed from it that like my whole like conscious life, he had always been dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he had always just been like a Brooklyn dude. Yeah. And I always loved it. I just always loved it. And now and now I live in Brooklyn. (laughs) And now you live in Brooklyn. Well, I mean, yeah, so shout out to his legacy. Like, I mean, it's still a cool legacy. Um, Man, oh, man. I just, it's crazy, like, how to think about, like, how young you were, like, when he actually died and, like, how many years ago it was. Because, like, you know what I'm saying? You're, like, a full-grown human being. Like, you know what I mean now? Well, I'm older now than he was when he died. Yeah. He's only 24. Right? To think about, like, how young you are, right? Just a couple years after 24, you're, like, thinking, like, shit, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's a, that's a young, young person. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, unbelievable. And, you know, the city has a way of doing that to you, making you feel like you're older than you are. Because it's just like there's so many distractions and there's so much outside influence right. when you're living in the city. A lot of people live in apartments. 
So just your neighbor upstairs, you can experience a whole life from listening to your neighbor upstairs. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. You know, you, you stick your head out the window and there's some kid across the way smoking a joint outside of his like parents. Back. You know what I mean? It's just like little things like just like what you saw on the train, like all those things. kids see that. Like, you know what I mean? And then by the time they're like 11, 12, now they got to go to junior high by themselves right. down that street. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Because their mom got to go to work. Like, you know what I mean? Who else is going to watch him and stuff like that? So it's like, I know he felt like a big man, you know, by the time he was 23, I'm pretty sure. But I'm sure if he lived past that to look back at 23, he would realize like how young he was and how much more there was to do and stuff. But yeah, it's crazy. That's the thing that's so sad is that he could have had so much more music. So he only put so he put out the one album while he was alive, and then the Junior Mafia album was after that, right? Yeah. So, and then he was he still kept doing features and stuff. Uh huh. But how do, I'm trying to think of like how to bring in Life After Death into this. Okay. Which first it wasn't originally going to be called Life After Death, right? I doubt it. I don't think so, but I don't know for sure. I thought he had a running theme, ready to die. Uh, yeah. Like I, th- I thought he had like a, a whole theme. I think he was supposed to be. I, 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 I don't know. I'm leaning towards like 75%. Yes, it was supposed to be named that, but I'm not sure. Yeah, so his second album was called um, Life After Death, and it was released like a month after he died, mm-hmm. something like that. So that's already really sad, but kind of cool at the same time. <laughs> he's like, even like after he's dead, he's like, you're still going to listen to me. Yeah. I'm dead. Yeah. All right? But... That album was dope, and it's like the it really is like what you were saying before. I feel like the first album was more of like the street gangster kind of thing, and the second album was more of the like the high class. Like I got money now, I'm wearing the fucking suits, I got a cane, even though that was because he got in a car accident. Yes, I know a lot of people think that there was like video. You know, when he was um older, he would like walk around with the cane, and he thought that was that was kind of like the. That he was doing that for the show, like it was kind of like a pimp kind of thing. Yeah. But it's like, no, he actually got in a car accident and like fucked his leg up or he something. He really did. And I actually, honestly, as a kid, thought Biggie was gonna die from like a health-related issue because he was getting heavier. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like, oh my gosh, and you know, those guys they eat like Diddy has said he can eat a hamburger, milkshake, and fries every single day. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So, you know what I'm saying? Those guys like to eat and stuff. And Biggie was getting so big. And in the interviews, he was breathing so heavy yeah, while he was yeah, talking. Yeah. So, I like, I remember thinking he was going to die like that. Like, he was just going to have a heart attack and die. Um, and I remember reading an article with little Kim talking about it and her saying that she's trying to get him to lose weight. Like, he don't have to be skinny, but she just wants him to lose some weight. Like Right. For health reasons. Yeah. So I remember always, I don't know, like when he started getting that big, I just remember thinking that we're not going to, I thought he was going to die then. I thought that that's why he was going to die. I remember looking at him saying to myself, Biggie's not going to live long. Like, I swear, I didn't think he was going to get shot, but you know. Yeah. He was just really like, um, like a star that you knew was, was shining so bright that it was going to burn out in some way. Yeah. It's but, creepy. It's creepy because I look at Kurt Cobain's child picture and I look at it and I say, that looks like a kid that that dies young. That looks like somebody who dies young. I was like, I, and I can't, I don't know, I can't shake it. I don't know why, but there's a picture of him floating around the internet. I'm pretty sure you see it. He's got the bowl haircut yeah, and yeah. he's just smiling. And I'm like, that looks like a dead child. I don't know why. Like, but with Big, it says, I, I felt like that too. Don't worry, Dan. I see a lot of life in you. I don't <laughs> 
That's crazy. But no, I know I know what you're saying. I don't I think I know the picture that you're talking about. And there's just some people it's just like well this is the, it's hard for me to even say about that too, because I mean Kurt died like two months before I was born. You know what I mean? So like I'm thinking about these people as far as I'm concerned, they've always been dead. Yeah. They're like Hendrix to me. Oh, that's strange. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? They've just always been dead legends. Yeah. <laughs> like my whole life. Like Jim Morrison, Biggie, Hendrix. Like to me, it's like all the same thing. Yeah. Like they were here for a very short amount of time and they were just so good that to this day, people are still talking about them. Yeah. In obviously glowing terms. Yeah, yeah. I remember thinking, like, how are those people even real? Like like a Bob Marley, whose death went was closer to my year of birth. But that I feel like that was the person. Like, when I was coming up, it was like his music was like, you know, it was almost like he had just died within, the, you know, they give you like kind of like a 10-year span yeah, yeah. in a way. So, like, his music was really big. And I just remember feeling like, like, how could he have been real in a way? Like, cause he's gone. Like, you know, how did people know him? Like, is it like a butterfly Mandela kind of thing? I wasn't thinking that when I was young, but yeah, but that vibe. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's how I've always felt about Biggie. Cause he, I always knew him as dead and the greatest of all time. <laughs> so it's like, he was always such a legend to me that it's so, it was so crazy when I moved here and I'd just be walking around and I'll see murals of him everywhere. And I'll just be like, Oh shit. Like these were like literally the streets that he walked. Like he was here. Yeah. Like he, he was a real person. Yeah. He wasn't just some legend that I've heard about. It's insane. You know what I mean? It's insane. What's even more insane is that he went to Weston House with um, Jay-Z and Busta Rhymes, which mm. I'm trying to figure out because Jay-Z's so much older than them. Is he? he I, I feel like Jay-Z's a lot... Uh, Big is young compared to Jay-Z, but they were in school together. So I don't know if Jay-Z was just hanging out there, just going there to sell drugs or something. I don't know. But I feel like Jay-Z is a lot... I'm going to Google this. Uh, Jay-Z's older than Big. Big wouldn't have been... Damn, he would have been approaching 50 now. Um, I feel like Big would have been approaching 50 now or maybe 50 something. Yeah. And and Jay-Z is older. I don't know. I don't really I don't know too. I don't yeah, really keep up with Jay age. too much. <laughs> yeah, I think Busta Rhymes and Big around the same age. Like I could see like I remember when Busta Rhymes first came out too, he was in a whole group and everything like that. Like yeah. and I could see that both of their young faces, they were young around the same time. I feel like Jay-Z's a little bit older, but these guys used to freestyle at the lunch table with each other, which is like even crazier. And if you want to think about huh, a Busta Rhymes is pretty live. He's like a, a live version of Biggie. So if you want to feel kind of like the feeling that Biggie kind of gives off, you can just um, watch Busta Rhymes the way people react to him. Because it's like people think of Busta as not just a rapper, but kind of like their friend in a way. Okay, interesting. You know, they'd be like, what's up, Bust? Like they really see him as somebody that they could kind of hug. As you know, we're like, Jay-Z's not really like that. Like, you nah, know, nah, don't nah, get too close nah. to him. Like, don't go over there. Like, nah, nah. you know what I mean? You'll get some security uh, <laughs> fists in your face. Like, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But with like Busta, you know, it, it's, it's, it's like a warmer. And I don't know if it's because they're both Caribbean. I don't know. But Busta has a warmer energy and so did Big. So if you want to feel the, a little bit close to the vibe that Big used to give off, I would say Busta would, would probably give off a little of that. You see the video from like a week or two ago where somebody, uh, where Jay-Z was coming out of uh, his office or something and there was like people trying to get him to sign autographs and somebody gave him a baseball. Did you see that? No. Somebody had, you know, they had the albums or posters or whatever. He was signing everything. And then somebody gave, put up a baseball and he just went like, I don't play baseball. 
<laughs> and then he got in the car. Oh my god! I was like, yo. <laughs> that shit was so funny to me. That's hilarious. But yeah, I feel like I feel like Busta would have signed the baseball. Yes. Yeah. 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 Busta would have been like, "Oh, what's up, homie? Come on. like, you know what I mean? That's yeah, the type yeah. of energy." And then Big would have been like, like "What's up, like little man?" Yeah. yeah. Biggie would have said that in a more calm voice. Buster's like, wow. But he, but Biggie would be right, like, right. what's up, little man? Yeah, I can sign that for you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that, they're around the same, like, they got warmer souls and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. But it's just uh, crazy to know that all those people were, like, hanging out together and, like, with each other and stuff like that. And they're still here to the day. To this day, it's like legends, too, which is yeah. insane because, honestly, the generation right before, it's like you kind of burned out as a rapper. Like, like you know Rakim. what I'm saying? Yeah, like, people got... People got sick of seeing you in a way. It's like it, that was just that's just a New York thing, I think, you know, because it's very Cosmo here. So it's just like you're here today and you're gone tomorrow. Like you're not rocking those same shoes from last year, are you? Like, you know what I mean? Sometimes, of course we are. But, you know, if we got to go out or not, like, you know, so I feel like that's what it was like. We got some huge rappers like Coogee Rap, Big Daddy Kane, Marley Mar, like all those huge, huge guys that are huge guys now looked up to. It's like after a certain while, like 10 years or something like that, people don't want to hear from you anymore. Mm. But like these guys, they came out in like the late, late 80s to early 90s. It's like even now me as like that was like a kid watching them. Like I'm so shocked to see him still here because that was not the culture right before them. Interesting. Well, that, you think that just has to do with like just hip hop getting bigger as far as like in like in media and just in general, I believe being so. like an underground thing because like if you're underground, there's only so many people that are gonna know about you. Yeah. So so many people can get sick of you also. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it, it may have something to do with that. Um, yeah, hip hop being bigger, these guys getting better contracts and um better money and like branching out into movies and their yeah. own lines and stuff like that. So I think the hood on a whole is just pr so proud of them that we're just gonna continue like helping to propel them, eat them and like you know. The system it's just crazy though to to see it like to be like whoa like queen latifah's on the equalizer <laughs> like you know what i mean she was just dancing in the park the other day like you know what i mean it's just crazy to see it it's, it's like it's a, it's a really great thing though oh yeah yo you just reminded me of something so one time i was wearing this shirt this exact shirt uh -huh. we were at one time we had we went to the music game for an open mic and so for y'all that don't know New York City, so there's this place called the Music Inn we used to do an open mic at. It's in the, um, it's called the, the, village. West, the Village, right on West 4th Street. And there's these really famous basketball courts right on West 4th Street. Six Ab. And I was talking to the guy that ran the Music Inn. He's like this old hippie dude. You know who you are. Shout out. There's no way you're watching this, but we, we love you. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's like 70 something, like old gray hair, beard, the whole thing. And one day I come up and I'm wearing this shirt. And you're just like, oh, I like that shirt. And I was like, yeah? He was like, yeah, let me tell you a story. One time, um, you know, I was at the store and I saw there was these people doing like a photo shoot on the basketball court. So like um, I just went over to say like, what's up and like see what's going on. And um, the guy that was doing the photo shirt was that guy on your shirt. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> For real? He's like, yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Like, and then that's another thing I'm like, he was really just a real person walking around, which is, which is so crazy to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. You definitely wouldn't have seen him on the train after a certain point of time, but you <laughs> yeah, would have yeah. seen him at the same parties you went to. Like, because 
Cause like again, like like you were kind of saying, hip hop was smaller back then. It was just starting to swell. Yeah. So we all went to the same spots. Like Big was trying to get into Nels. So was pe- like somebody like me. Like you know what I'm saying. I was saving my weekend money. Somebody like me would save my weekend money, my week money, and I'm trying to get into Nels for the weekend too. The Friday night, the Thursday night, or whatever. So yeah. it's like hip hop was very very small back then. And yeah. It got huge because, it, I mean, like you think about Run DMC, they're like literally the kings of rap, right? Mm. But by the time like 89, 90, nobody want to hear nothing from Run DMC. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? You've got to give those guys the ultimate respect. Like, you know what I mean? Their brother ran Def Jam. Like, that's the hip hop label. Like, you know what I mean? Anything second to that is bad boy. Like, you know, known all over the world. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. So it's like, but don't nobody want to hear a Run DMC record. Like, you know, <laughs> and it's because they're from that generation where it's like, nah, you burned that is out. So like, true. You came and you and you couldn't go to jail and go to wait, go away for a year and come back and still have a successful career. Nah, you you lost could it. not do it. Nope. Shout out to Keith Murray, because that happened to him. Okay, so speaking about okay, so speaking about jail. And like drama and shit. So chronologically, Biggie puts out Ready to Die in 94. When did the shit go down with him and Tupac at the studio? Was that also 94? Was that after? I want to say that was like 95, 90s. I remember it being like winter time, like seeing Tupac coming out of Supreme Court. Like, I want to say 95 going into 96. Right. Definitely. So after Big put out the first album, he was already a huge star. Okay, so... I- you guys at home, if you're watching a podcast on Big, you probably already know this, but we had to kind of explain things assuming that people haven't known about this. Right. So what happened was, and this is how I understand it to happen. So Biggie was at a studio somewhere in Manhattan, I think. It was in Manhattan somewhere. And and Tupac was in town, and he was just like, yo, Tupac, come through to the fucking studio. We're laying down some tracks. Come hang out, whatever. And so Tupac was on the way, or he had just gotten there. And he got robbed and fucking shot when he was already on trial for, like, rape or something. Anyway, so he got robbed and fucking shot on the way to see Biggie. Talk about breaking point. Yeah, for real. (laughs) So in his head, he's like, yo, Biggie set me the fuck up. I thought we were boys. I thought we were friends. And he's trying to get me killed. As far as I understand it, it's just a really unfortunate timing. I mean, I wasn't there. I don't see why Biggie would have had that happen. Right? That's how I felt as like a young listener, as an impressionable child, as a small person. I, why would Biggie want to shoot you? And who are you? Like, in, like, not like, who are you? But who are you that somebody like you're both coming up in the game? You're both two totally different rappers. At least that's mm-hmm. how I felt at, at that point. Cause I, we loved Tupac over here. Like yeah. we loved him, you know? And then like, why would he shoot you? But I will say, that is a Brooklyn thing. That is a, I don't know, I, mean, I only can speak for my borough. That is a Brooklyn thing. Girls would do that to a guy they liked. Oh, set him up? Come yeah. over to my house, come visit me and stuff like that, especially if you went someplace like in the projects. That dude would come out naked, practically. Like, you know what I'm saying? All the dope clothes that he decided to wear to go see that girl, the jewelry, anything he had on him. So, it is a known thing to do that to somebody in Brooklyn. Can I tell you a story real quick? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was going to happen to me once. Oh, no. Because <laughs> I, um, I matched with like this girl on Tinder. <laughs> 
and like we were talking she and i don't know i don't remember exactly how it came up she was like you want to come over and i was like oh that was kind of fast <laughs> you know what i'm saying i was like whoa i didn't expect to go like that i was like what's your address and she like gave me the address it was like right on the border of like east new york and fucking i don't know whatever neighborhood brownsville is right, there. Is right before east yeah it was like right over there and i'm just like I went. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have went. Nothing bad happened. Right. I ended up hang- we hanging out. It was fine. But like on my way, I was just like, yo, am I about to get fucking robbed? Yeah. And I was thinking that. And like, that's never happened to me. I know if that happened to other people. Yeah. Put, but people put it in songs. Yeah. In my head, like the whole time I was like, I might be just get setting myself up and putting myself in a terrible situation because I want to talk to this girl. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's a possibility. I mean, Mob Deep had a song like that. That actually started a beef with Jay-Z because Mob Deep said they were going to go to Marcy Projects to see some girl. And she was going to say, she did like, why she want, why she calling me? Yeah. She called me in years. And Jay-Z's like, what? <laughs> what you say about Marcy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So I'm I'm not saying Big did that. I'm not I'm not saying that Tupac wasn't absolutely crazy. But I remember when I was young, thinking he's fucking crazy for saying this shit. But I was a small, small child, right? right? So, so you never know. You never know what happened. And it's what you were saying. I mean, he was already about to go to jail. Yeah. And then all that happens, like you said, like talking about a breaking point. It's like, yo, I, people can only take so much. Yeah. It's like, that might have been the point. Because when you look, I mean, now we're talking about Tupac. But if you look at, like, the history of Tupac and his life, I mean, that's the start of the downfall. Yeah. I mean, then he went to jail. He got convicted. He went to jail. Suge Knight bailed him out. Mm -hmm. Suge Knight was the CEO of Death Row, right? Mm -hmm. So that was the big West Coast label. So then he bailed him out and basically was putting all this shit in his ear. Like, oh, all these East Coast motherfuckers, they hate you, blah, blah, blah. Right? And he's just like, oh, he's just starting all this drama. And then this... This is actually really funny though with the award show. What what award show was that? You know uh, what, which the one? The Soul Train Awards. What I don't remember. What I think it was, it's Soul but. Train Awards. So yeah. for, for y'all that don't know, you can look this up on YouTube. This is hilarious. So Diddy, you know, again, like we said before, it was a very symbiotic relationship. Like they both brought each other up. Um, but Biggie was always putting Diddy in the videos, or Diddy was putting himself in the videos, however you want to say it, whatever. <laughs> and so he'd be like dancing in the videos, and he'd always be ad-libbing on the tracks like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's not his track, but right. you know what I mean. But he had to... But he's a business guy. He knew that that was, in addition to being good music, that was also marketing for him, for the brand, mm-hmm. for the label. And it mm-hmm. did... it made sense and it obviously worked out very well he for them. He was a Spike Lee of recording music, right? You got to throw yourself Spike Lee, Quentin Tarantino, you just throw yourself throw in yourself there. Throw yourself in there a little bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I and I can't hate on it cuz it did work and it, it every obviously Bad Boy just blew up. We liked it. Yeah. He was no, annoying in a cool way. I'm, I'm going to say something else about him, but go ahead. Yeah, hold that thought. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so then then we get to these awards, whatever we call it, the Soul Train Awards. I don't remember exactly what it was, but we'll, I, we'll go I, with that. Yeah. Um, and then Suge Knight, the dude who was running all the West Source. Coast shit. Source Awards. Source Awards. I think it was that. Source Awards. Suge Knight, who's running all the West Coast shit, he goes up to accept an award, and he's just throwing mad shade at Diddy while he's there. Of course. And he's just like, if you don't want your producer all up in the videos, <laughs> dancing, come to death row. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> so this is when like the East versus West shit is like yeah. really starting to come up. And unfortunately, I really think it is just Tupac fucking losing it. I 
I listen. I know some of y'all out there really love Tupac, but like in my mind, I have already put him in a category as one of the, the dumbest motherfuckers alive because, like, I'm so pissed at that. I remember being so pissed, and I'm like, this uh, this guy too. I'm like, this guy is not gonna live long. I'm like, why is he being so stupid? But I honestly, like, now that I'm older, I feel like that was a mental health issue. I really feel like his brain split. Like, you know, like it's just enough is enough. And, and um, you know, I know his mom did a lot of drugs, so that doesn't help with child early child development either. So he probably was already teetering. Yeah. And like the Joker says, all you need is, is a little, little push. That's all you need. <laughs> well, I mean, we could do another episode on Tupac, obviously. I don't want to go on Tupac too much. Yeah, but that whole East Coast, West Coast situation, like I feel like he started that for no reason because even when Suge had said that about Diddy, we were laughing at that because we were annoyed. <laughs> like it was annoying, it's funny. but it's funny. It's funny, it's yeah, funny yeah. and annoying. And I remember hearing some a remix song with the locks, and Diddy starts it out, and he's just like, "Um, you ever say to yourself, when are these guys gonna stop? When is he gonna stop making all?" I was like, I have said it to myself. Like, when is Diddy gonna stop hanging out on all his artist songs like that? And he actually says in the song, "Never, and never." That made me laugh, and that yeah. made me like him even more. Because he was never trying to act yes. like he wasn't doing that. Like yes. it was clear what he was doing. Yeah, nobody really gives a fuck. Because again, he built all this shit. Yeah, it's not like he was in somebody else's label, just like throwing himself in. And we're right. like, no, this is my shit. Like yeah. me and Big made this yeah. together. Yeah. All these other artists are here. You're putting out music because of me on my label. Yeah, come on, let me let me just give a little mm-hmm, yeah on the song. Like, thank is that really you. A big deal? And I'd like to say for 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 the record, New York won the war because Diddy's the last man standing. Diddy is the last man. Standing. The last man standing. He's so much the last man standing that. Dr. Dre's legacy is 50 Cent. I wouldn't say that exactly. It's Eminem I mean, by default as 50 Cent. That's Dr. Dre's last big hurrah was we're Eminem. We're going to act like The Chronic isn't a top album. Of no, like, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying after because The Chronic came oh, out after. right around Big's album. Like, that's 92. Like, you know what I'm saying? Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style and stuff like that. But after, in all the aftermath, right? Dre's a billionaire and Speaking that's great. Of aftermath. That uh-huh. was good how you did yeah. that. In all of that, right? <laughs> if some who when you think about who whose artists could put out a track right now that you could listen to right now, you would say Diddy. Diddy would bring somebody out right now that could put out a track and you would listen to them. Dre's just doing beats one. Like he's not putting out like artists and stuff like that. And they all kind of wanted away, but I feel like Diddy is the Kendrick. last. Oh, Dre's got Kendrick. Kendrick. Well, that's a whole. Is we don't have to go here? off into all that. I don't know. I don't know either. Where the fuck is Kendrick? Exactly. We don't have to go into. We're going in way too many I know, directions right sorry. now. Sorry, Big didn't even want this war. He's just a rapper. Okay, but okay. So then, I, I do want to say this about Tupac versus Biggie. So again, what you're saying about this all kind of comes around now because you were saying like Biggie has more of like a fun like attitude. And the big difference I always heard listening to to Biggie and listening to Tupac is that Biggie was about a good time. He's trying to do this, he's trying to do that, he's trying to go to the club, blah blah blah. But Tupac was always way deeper in his like his lyrical content. Yeah. And he's talking about fucking like bigger issues and like society and shit. And it clearly is weighing on his head. Mm-hmm. And then you have that and then you have like wasn't his 
didn't his like aunt like she like killed a cop and then like he was she was on the run forever yeah. and shit like that. So he's grown like his whole family situation was even more wild than Biggie's really the growing up and stuff like that. And he was like moving around as a kid too. He didn't like to have like as much of a stable like yeah. I'm from Bed Stuy. Right. Yeah. No. 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 He was in Harlem. He was in Maryland. He was in L.A. Like yeah. that's why oh, that's why the East Coast loved him so much because we were like he was here like yeah. you know for a while. Like I mean it's just also strange. Um. But um, but I'm saying that that raised on his brain. He was like Big brain. in the beginning. I feel like he, I feel like Big pissed him off. Like Big had him like shook in a way. Like yeah. with that whole thing where it's just like, ain't that my style that Biggie got? Ain't that me that used to wear the Versace shirts and all this stuff yeah, like that? And yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. and it's like. Uh, Right before that, the Tupac right before that was a lot of fun. Was mm. extremely charismatic. Used to yeah. be like laughing and making all funny jokes, and you would see him too. Not, I wouldn't see him in the streets, but if Video Music Box came on and stuff like that, he would be just like at regular parties, just like anybody else. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. So all of these factors and things in Tupac's head culminate in that shooting. Yeah. Because there was already things growing up and then he was started blah 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 like Biggie was coming up, they didn't have any issues for the most part. And then, you know, the he had a trial. Um he got shot. He thought it was Biggie. So now it's like the flip turn the switch turned in his head from Biggie's my friend to like Biggie's my fucking worst enemy. He trying to take me out. Yeah. Yeah, so that and then he they respectively basically both coasts rallied around them, right? Cuz Biggie was the supreme talent of the East. And Tupac was the supreme talent of the West. Yeah. So they became the figureheads of this kind of East versus West thing. Well, no, it was Tupac's fault. It was his fault because he literally said, yo, fuck the East Coast. And we were like, what? Like, wait, aren't you right. from here? Like, we were so confused. Like, over big? Right. Like, there's so many people. And that's why Nas accosted him and was like, yo, 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 yo. You can't be talking about us like that's that. That's what I'm saying is that I agree with you when you say it's like it's clearly like a mental break. Yeah. I really think that when he got shot at that studio in Manhattan, I think that was the fucking last straw in his head. Yeah, because he Biggie wasn't calling himself king of the East Coast or anything like that. He no, was just he wasn't a rapper. Yeah, he, he was here for Brooklyn. That. that was it. Like, True. I remember him winning his awards and being like, we did it, Brooklyn. It wasn't even like a New York thing. Yeah. Like... So, yeah, that I, I, that honestly was, I remember that, like Tupac being like, yo, fuck the whole, we were like, whoa, <laughs> we couldn't yeah. believe it. Like, we couldn't believe, because we didn't want to divide our rappers. Like, even when Snoop Dogg got that award and he gets up there, nobody really wants to clap for him at the sports awards. It's like, after all that, we're just tired. After all this Biggie Tupac shit, we're just so tired. And then, like, Snoop Dogg's like, the East Coast don't got no love for Snoop Dogg. <laughs> oh yeah, he was like yeah, yeah. the East Coast. We were like, all right, Snoop, we're we're sorry. We do love you. We do like we did. Yeah, yeah. Like we didn't want to be in the midst of that shit. And look at all the innocent bystanders. That's why I feel like I I call Tupac dumb because it's like you know they're gonna be so many knuckleheads that are just gonna like cape for you. Yeah, you know it, that's a lot of lives. That's a lot of people in jail probably to this day. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But that's where I wanted to go with it. It's because, like, that's clearly where uh, Tupac kind of snapped. And then it became like, the whole East versus West thing pretty much because of him. Mm -hmm. And then that's the thing that basically ended up killing both of them. Yes. And that's really what makes it so fucking sad. Yes. Because these were supremely talented individuals mm -hmm. that could have be making music to this day for many years past this day mm -hmm. if it wasn't for that. Right. Because, and the thing that's even crazier about it is that Tupac got killed first. Mm -hmm. And they they still don't know who it was. Right. And so I feel like, 
I don't know. Like, obviously, I wasn't around, but it's like once Tupac died, it's like I kind of feel like it's like when you think about it in retrospect, it's like once they took out Tupac, it's like Biggie, like somebody was going to come for him. It just it was. Yeah. And he knew he was going to die. He felt like that, like like somebody was coming after him. I don't know who told him to go to California, but that was dumb that I mean, re- and then to actually get up on the award show and be like, what up, Cali? Like, like you're just asking for shit. And he even had a song about Cali yeah. where he straight up said, I don't have any problem with anybody unless you're talking shit about me. That's He's like, I don't have any problem with Cali. They got they got great weather. They got great women, blah, blah, blah. Whatever he said. I don't remember all the, the, the whole verse now. But he had a whole song going back to Cali. He's like, I love Cali. I just don't like when people talk shit about me. Right. That's really it. Yeah. And he didn't start it. No. He didn't start it. That's a shame. He really should have stayed here, but he could have gotten taken out over here too. So you never know because gang culture is worldwide now, especially that Crip blood dump shit. I mean, you never know how shit is going to go out, but in this reality where we live, that's how it went down. And it's just a shame. It's just a fucking shame. It is. It is. But, you know, things happen. And obviously... You know, I think about it sometimes. It's like, I've, you know, I'm happy that he was even able to be there at all so that we had this music at all because mm-hmm. there were so many things that could have happened where he just was never even in that position or he just never met Diddy and it's like that none of this happened. Right. But we live in a world where that did happen. And even though we only have one or two Biggie albums, we could have lived in a world where there were zero. Yeah. So at least we have that. So, you know, it's, that's good, but. It, at the end of the day, it's the whole thing is really just sad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a shame. But, um, yeah, so, like, after that, I mean, well, now it's just murals and streets. I'm still shocked at that. He got a street named after him. It's like, whoa. And that just goes to show the impact of hip-hop. Like, there's a Christopher Wallace way in Bed-Stuy. And that just goes to show because, like, I'm serious. The generation before them, like the Run DMCs, the Big Daddy Kanes, the Marley Marlins, stuff like that, those people don't have no streets named after them. And it's like, it's insane because those guys were seen as like kings, like, you know what I mean? In in like Brooklyn and stuff. But hip hop just got so big that basically a gangster rapper has a street named after him. Yeah. Like people feel like he did. So, like, Brooklyn had to have felt, right? The borough president's office had to have felt. Not just him, because there's other rappers from that whole fold. Like, Foxy Brown just got keys to the city. Like, they must embrace this. What? That they said we need to embrace this. Yeah, exactly. That they brought so much commerce to Brooklyn and brought such a revolution of, like, people that want to live here and, and get stuff out of here and visit here and stuff like that, that they just had to give these people some props. And I think that's totally true, because, I mean, he... Like, growing up in Florida, I always thought that Brooklyn was a cool fucking place because I used to listen to all this music of all these people from Brooklyn. They would be talking about Brooklyn. And I was like, oh, I want to see what Brooklyn's about one day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, that... I'm not saying consciously I moved here just because of Biggie, but I right. think, you know, subconsciously, I'm like, it It has a thing in my head. It's like, oh, like, Brooklyn is kind of a place to be. It's kind of a place to be, yeah. You know? And for you, I, I don't even really consider you a transplant. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like your grandparents and your dad's from, like, New York. Like, I just feel like that's yeah. just, like, it was, like, kind of like a quid pro quo. Like, it was just, like, supposed to happen in a way you coming to New York. Because, like, that's pretty much, like, your roots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is also something I think about all the time. This is like, well, not all the time, but I think it's kind of funny. I feel like if you're, if you're Jewish 
then Israel is like your ancestral homeland. Uh-huh. And if there was a second ancestral homeland, it would be New York City. <laughs> like 100%. Like there's more Jews in New York City than anywhere else that's not Israel. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. That's cool. That's so I always thought weekend. that. Like if you're Jewish in America, you can 100% trace your family back to New York City. Somehow. I swear. Like they'll talk. There'll be Jewish people from like California down south and they all have New York accents. Yeah. I'm like, how? Like, <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> so it's like, yo, my grandparents grew up in the Bronx. They got the heaviest fucking accent. They got that. Like when you think of the stereotype of a New York accent, they kind of, that's how they talk. You know what I mean? <laughs> But anyway, we're getting off on a whole fucking thing here. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, is there anything else we should really say about Biggie? I mean, he's the. Go- I think he's the goat. I, if anyone ever asked me who do you think is the greatest rapper of all time, I'll say Biggie, no question, no hesitation. And his legacy can be seen not only in how big hip hop has become commercially, but also in like the rappers to follow. Because he was saying such crazy shit sometime. Like I remember whatever the line, um, "Step into your wake with your blood on my shirt." And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yo, that is so fucked up. And like people, he would be saying that kind of crazy shit that like, I think if you look at it now, you can clearly see how that influenced like Eminem. Yeah. And because then he took it to just like, I'm going to say the most wild shit I could possibly think of. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be gangster necessarily. It's just wild. Yeah. And I feel like if Biggie wasn't saying such wild shit and people in that era weren't saying it, then I don't think Eminem would have had the same style that he had. I don't think so either. And then obviously... Obviously, he's he was a huge deal. He became commercially successful. He influenced so many other people. So just like tracing the line of like current hip hop music, like you can see how big of a deal Biggie is. Yeah. To this day. Yeah. Like you know, um, I like I like Big because he's honest in his music and he's not letting his emotions carry him away in his music. And that's how I measure him out with Tupac. Like I'm not. You're not going to conflict me as the artist that I really like. And you're not going to, like, confuse me. Like, you're not going to make a song called Dear Mama or, like, Keep Your Head Up. And then in the same vein, just be like, fuck you, ho. Like, you know what I mean? I don't like you that's if you why... do shit like that. Yeah, that's why it feels like a mental thing. And you know what I mean? Coming for Little Kim in that way, you know, fuck you. Like, she already has, like terrible self-esteem at that time and you're like fuck you you so fucking ugly when that's not even true and that's not good rhyming skills you know what i'm saying that's like the playground acting like a bitch ass blah 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 like you know what i'm saying like i don't like that i don't like what like that's not where this that's not what the studio is for like you know what i mean so that was my problem but before before any of like the jail and all that stuff happened to him, I'm talking about like Tupac that was in Juice, that was with Digital Underground, like that. Too, yeah. I loved that Tupac. Absolutely. Once he shaved his head bald, it's like it's, he, it's like he shaved his mind off a little bit. <laughs> so like I wasn't really with it. Oh man. And the tattoo, the thug life. I was like, what you trying to do to all the young kids in the neighborhood? Like fucking yeah. thug life. After you were like this, like black nationalist black panther or whatever now you come in with the thug life and the gang shit like i'm just like whoa sound like a manchurian candidate to me yeah i mean i don't think it would be a stretch to say he might have been a little bipolar yeah 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 there was definitely issues going on there but yeah we've i mean we don't have to get more into that it's it's all sad um the main thing i think to, to think about is just the legacy of, of Biggie and just what he means to uh, the, the culture, uh, what he means to Brooklyn, just rap music in general, and to just keep the keep the legacy alive, you know? Yeah, it's a shame that you can, um, you have to bring up, like, 
him uh, when you bring up him like it's it's it, now it's becoming like Nikki and Cardi right like nobody can bring up Cardi without saying Nikki and stuff like that it's like one of those things yeah but I mean they'll always be linked now yeah because always of their deaths they'll yeah always be talked about together because of that yeah and it, it was funny yeah yeah I mean and I still blame Tupac I love you rest in peace but I like I still blame you because it's like he linked Biggie in like you know what I mean ain't that my style and people wasn't even thinking like no I, I don't think it's your <laughs> style at all yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, shout out to Big and then he's got um well he's got kids, but his kids don't really make music like that. I know my brother saw his daughter at some event and his son too. Like, you know, they they still honor their pop, which is great. Um but their big papa. Uh-huh. Well, always love big papa. There'll be, never be another one like that. And then you just see how influential he was because of the rhyme skills like you know what i'm saying you just watched how people change you know did he needed a, a new ghostwriter you know couldn't couldn't <laughs> couldn't use he had to call jada <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i don't know is there anything else we should really um say about biggie before we sign off no shout out to brooklyn shout out to big and junior mafia and everybody who made like the late 90s uh, super great super interesting super colorful yeah that's it yeah so that's pretty much it for this episode shout out to biggie um shout out to all of you for watching um if you enjoy the podcast definitely tell your friends about it it's probably the the biggest thing you could do to help us out if you think you know someone that would enjoy definitely you know show them this um subscribe to the patreon if you want to you know help us to continue doing this once we get to 100 or so we'll make um polls so you can tell us like exclusive episodes that you want us to do just for the patreon um yeah we're side after dark i think that's about it and this is music maniacs we'll see you next time <laughs>